This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat broadcast. Coming to you live on this Monday night. And uh, man, I got to start out by telling you, as far as I'm concerned, basketball season ended a long time ago. But especially now, this Final Four, I haven't really been keeping up with it or watched a whole lot of games after some of the major players got bounced out. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn, Miami. I will say this. I had a theory about Georgia basketball that is completely out the window now. I told myself that the reason why Georgia basketball's culture has been so bad for so long and the reason that they don't get guys that want to work in the gym outside of Anthony Ant-Man Edwards is because this town of Athens has so much to do, the proximity to Atlanta. There's just too many distractions. But when I see a school like Florida Atlantic and San Diego State and Miami, have you been to those places? There's all sorts of things to do. So my theory about too many distractions, the excuse that I'd made for Georgia basketball, out the window. Facilities, have you seen Florida Atlantic facilities? Out the window. No more excuses for Georgia basketball for me. But that's a show for another day. Let's start out with the news on Georgia football. You've probably heard that Kendall Milton is out for the spring uh, with a hamstring injury. Non-contact injury, just kind of a, a fluky deal. It's frustrating because Kendall works so hard. He looks so good. Um, this is a guy that, that followed the training to a T. Dejon Edwards, also a hamstring. You know, when you get guys in the same position group, the same injury, you almost wonder about the training. I know, you know, Scott Sinclair, you know, works really hard and and really there hasn't been any beefs, you know, ever since that SEC title game when Jordan Davis said he felt like the guys were out of shape and Sinclair and the players all went at it and they got back in shape for the Alabama game. You haven't really heard anything uh, about the strength and conditioning staff. I doubt that you do. You know, there's so many elite athletes that come here and Kirby Smart leaves no uh, stone unturned I just hate, you know, seeing injuries like hamstring injuries when I know how hard these players are working. Again, so Kendall Milton out. Dejon Edwards has been slowed. Uh, we know Andrew Paul had the knee injury that, that was last year. He's not back from that. So only two scholarship running backs. And I've heard some people say, well, the season doesn't start tomorrow. Who cares? Well, the reason it matters is because Mike Bobo – is installing a new offense. And you want these players to get as many reps and get as comfortable as possible. But I don't think these injuries are going to derail a national championship season. But I do think it's a reminder to Kirby Smart that the depth, they're not super deep here with experienced depth. Once you get past Kendall and Dejan, you, you go to uh, you know Branson Robinson and, and, and Robert. These are young guys. I don't know that they really work in the past game. I would be surprised if Georgia did not add a running back through the transfer portal after the spring, uh, you know, Del McGee gets a lot of credit. Uh, he's known as a great recruiter and I'm sure that he is, but the depth in the running back room, the last couple of few years and the amount of injuries in that room, in the last few years, it's, it's been notable. And, and maybe it's just playing in the sec. Maybe it's bloody Tuesdays. Maybe it's, you know, some training, you know, glitch with Sinclair. I don't know what it is, but I know that that running back room, um, you know, depth has come up more than once. And this is not a position where it should come up. 
because running backs, much like linebackers, these guys are also very key and very uh, pivotal contributors on special teams. And Kirby Smart loves guys that can play on special teams. And running backs are typically some of the best athletes on the team uh, and can play on special teams. We've seen Kenny McIntosh uh, following Sony Michelle's footsteps, uh, Zamir White. Uh, you know, there's been several Georgia players at running back that have excelled on special teams. And so to see Kendall and Dejan down with injuries, you know, that that's concerning because maybe now Bronson and Roderick Robinson, maybe you're not as likely to play him on special teams or you limit him. They do have a couple of other guys that are walk-ons that are capable, Savon Clark, and and I believe it's it's Cash Jones, I believe. But but not the kind of marquee guys that we expect Georgia to have, three or four deep, okay? And this is supposed to be our – it's not RBU, okay? It needs to get back to getting some elite, more elite, more elite players back there. Uh, so circle the running back position, look for that in the portal, potential add after spring drills. Don't think anybody's leaving. Got to think somebody's coming in. Um, the receivers. Okay. More on the receivers. Uh, Dominic Lovett, the transfer from Missouri. I continue to hear good things about this guy continues to stand out. They played him outside. They played him inside. I think this is going to be an impact transfer that they needed. Obviously, Lad McConkey is a guy you can count on. And I believe Marcus Rosemey-Jack Singh. When I go back and look at last year, you know, I've been kind of hard on him as a position, as a possession receiver. But I went back and looked, and he made some big-time catches. This is a guy who works very hard from St. Thomas Aquinas. Maybe wasn't as great coming in as we all thought. Um, took a little while to get warmed up and then the broken ankle. But he's fought through that. He soldiered through that. I, I think maybe Marcus Rosemey-Jack Singh, a guy I'm going to circle, uh, that could have a breakout season at the X, especially if we don't see more from Ron Ra Thomas pretty soon. This is a guy that came in from Mississippi State, had the off-field issue. I heard Kirby on the microphone one day talking to him about wanting quality reps. Boy, that's a red flag for me. Is this guy mature enough? Is this guy going to be able to handle being at Georgia? It's not for everybody, okay? This isn't Mississippi State. This is Georgia, and Kirby's standards are higher. And he pushes guys harder. And it's just the way it is. Uh, Aaron Smith, a guy that, that flashed late last year. So, of course, we saw him with the big catch against the Ohio State. Was well, 75-78-yard touchdown. He just broke away. Uh, so fast, so explosive. But it goes back to the same thing with Aaron Smith. Can he learn all the plays? It's not easy. It's hard. Uh, this is a guy who, who started in track and split his time early. Uh, he's gone through a number of injuries. You know, Arian, by now, with all the mental reps that's been available, this is a guy who should know the playbook. You remember last year, Munkin called him a situational player. If Arian Smith wants to be something in the NFL, he's going to have to commit himself. And I don't know that he has not this spring, but I don't know that he has because we haven't gotten to talk to Kirby Smart very often, only once. Uh, he's not going to talk again until Saturday. Now, he did talk in Macon, Georgia last week and i'm going to break out some of those comments later on in the show some things that really shocked me really surprised me that i didn't expect to hear from kirby smart and i heard it i want to go back to the running backs again and i mentioned the receiving core kind of went down the you know the depth chart there guys i expect to stand out talk about brock bowers what an amazing job he's done 
Kirby had a great anecdote on him I'll share later in the show. And Lawson Lucky is the freshman. I'm hearing good things about this kid. It makes me wonder what's going to happen. Maybe some two tight end. I just don't think there's enough depth that you're going to see a whole lot of the double tight end formation like you did last year that just don't have the depth. And, and I think there's going to be more of an emphasis downfield, spreading the field. Can't wait to see Mike Bobo's offense. Think about this. I, I know there's some trepidation, but you have to understand, even if Todd Muckin would have stuck around, he would have had to run a completely different offense with new quarterback and new personnel. So when we see the offense change, you know, don't be one of those fools that grabs the low-hanging fruit and says, you know, well, this doesn't look like Todd Muckin's offense, Okay. Because Todd Munkin's offense this year would not have looked like Todd Munkin's offense last year. So you have to understand change is imminent every season based on your personnel, particularly when you're changing quarterbacks and when you lose a specimen, uh, a generational talent like a Darnell Washington that could do all the things. And yeah, Lawson Lucky can block, but he ain't 6'7", 280 like Darnell, pressing people like a tackle, all right? So you're going to see some things run a little bit differently. And if you were going to, whether Munkin was here or not. Now, good news, this offensive line, talking with Tate Ratledge last week, I'll tell you what, I'm so impressed with Tate Ratledge. Uh, enjoy that young man. Um, you know, gosh, just think, you know, Jordan won a national title. He got hurt that opening series against Clemson. Just imagine if Tate had two years under his belt. Well, don't do that because he'd probably be headed for the pros right now. Instead, he's coming back. He's going to be a leader. You talk about a road grader. This offensive line, particularly the interior offensive line with Cedric Van Pran and Xavier and Tate, uh, you know, Micah Morris is coming on. I'm hearing good things about Fairchild. I mean, they got some guys on the inside that will absolutely punch you in the mouth. This team is going to move people. Uh, that interior offensive line is going to move people. Now, on the perimeter, we want you know, Marius Mims. What a specimen. Locked in at right tackle. You know, one more year of Marius and say goodbye. He's a first-round talent. Left tackle, interesting, between Blasky and Ernest Green. Like Blasky, the Swiss Army knife, Army knife, this guy's tough. This guy can play all the line positions. I think he's got the drop a little bit at left tackle. Ernest Green, such a talent, has been so coached up. The technique is amazing, but he's coming off the back. Give the redshirt freshman some time. I just like it that Georgia goes three deep, you know, at those tackle spots. You want to have really four or five, and I'm sure there's more guys that are being developed as we speak. Stacey Sarrells heard a lot of critics when he was hired last year. They got real quiet at Georgia 15-0 since Stacey Sarrells was hired as the offensive line coach. Oh, yeah, by the way, only nine sacks given up all year long last year. Think about that. 15 games, nine sacks. So uh, offensive line really taking care of business. One more thing uh, before we go to our halftime break, make this kind of a quick show. Baseball team, congratulations to Scott Strickland. Again, I know know that when teams don't win, fans want to grab at the low-hanging fruit. There's all these, you know, fake media people out there. Don't even live in Athens. Don't go to any events, and they they just – they just act like, you know, and they throw stuff. Out. Let me tell you, Scott Strickland is a really good baseball coach. But Georgia's facilities are really subpar. He's really up against it, right? You know how Vanderbilt has to recruit against other SEC teams in football? That's what Georgia baseball faces. It's that bad. Now, Foley Field's a good place to watch a game. And if you just walk in there and you've never been to any other SEC ballpark, you'd say this is pretty nice. And it is. It's comfortable. I enjoy the facility. But when it comes to the batting cages, when it comes to the pitching lab, when it comes to the way they don't compare 
with other elite SEC programs. And players see this. And just as the football program has doled out $240 million since Kirby Smart's been the head coach, and we're going to talk about that later in the show, where those Georgia football facilities rank, when you have facilities like that that show you're serious about it, you get players that are serious, that want to train in the best. And it's the same for baseball. So all these people that are ripping Scott Strickland, get off, all right? Because this is a guy who's been promised facilities and promised facilities, and then it was COVID, and, and then it's, now it's the budget and, and the tennis facility. And it's just one thing after another. You know, thank goodness that he and his family enjoy Athens because if I were him, I would be disappointed. Now, Josh Brooks can't fix everything at once. The new AD is only going into a He needs three more years. I really believe he needs three more years. Can't fix it all at once. A lot of these plans were made before he took office. Georgia trying to get it together. Try to keep a coach like Scott Strickland on board. Do what you can. He's a good man. He's a good baseball coach. But there's only so much he can do without the support of, of the budget for the facilities and the administration to let him get some of these kids wave out of state um, scholarship money so he can get on the same uh, wavelength as the teams he's trying to beat. At least do that for him. Um, at least I hope Scott gets that. So glad to see they got a winning against Auburn. He got 16 runs in one inning. I guarantee he's thinking to himself he wishes he could bottle those up and spread them out. Dogs pitching just not that deep this year. They can really hit the ball. You guys know what I know. Sometimes great pitching beats great hitting. George is going to try to overcome that with their sticks this year. They've got a lot of experience in the batting order. They're a fun team to watch. They play hard, but they're up against it, all right? Only one SEC win through two series. They did get one from Auburn. I'm going to go ahead, take a break right now. I want to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. We appreciate the support, the sponsorship every Monday night. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about those Kirby comments from Macon. He tried to intimidate a cameraman. I believe he did. I want to tell you more about that in just a second. Right now, let's pay attention. Our sponsor, Ingles, will be back right after this short break. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Ah, big slug of green tea to keep me going there. Appreciate that. Appreciate Ingles. Thank you, producer Michael Carvel. I did want to note this. The softball team, you know, women's softball gets huge rankings, gets huge uh, ratings on television, more than baseball. And Georgia's softball has come alive. Uh, in fact, Georgia softball is playing better than they have in over 10 years. That says a lot because this is a program that's been to a lot of World Series. Second-year coach Tony Baldwin, this is a team worth watching. Uh, this is a team that, that absolutely destroyed Mississippi State over the weekend. Uh, Mercy run-ruled them and pitched a shutout, no-hitter. First no-hitter in SEC action by Shelby Walters since 2009. They've won seven in a row in the SEC, nine in a row overall. Next week at home. Uh, against the top 10, 11 Kentucky team, I'll be watching. I, I enjoy uh, watching uh, the softball. Coach, my daughter's in it, covered it for many years, been out to the Women's College World Series. Uh, great event. I know the people that watch it know what I'm talking about. 
and this is a sport Georgia should dominate, and this is a sport that Georgia is currently dominating. So pay close attention to that. So I, I was looking at this speech Kirby gave in Macon, and I, and I, I want to say it might have been last Monday, uh, and Kirby, like many other famous public speakers, has to kind of do a lot of speeches. And it's hard as someone, and I know this because I do a lot of appearances myself on radio. It's hard to be creative with a different message every time you speak. You kind of get your talking points, right? Now, for me, during football seasons, many of you, you know, heard me on the ref in Athens or in Nashville on WNSR, Birmingham on WJOX or, 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 or the game in Atlanta. Uh, you know, by the end of the week, I kind of have an idea what's going on that week news-wise and some talk. Kirby's got an off-season speech, and I don't think he wants to drop a new one. So during his speech, he actually points to the camera guy and he goes, and that guy right there is filming everything I'm saying. And I'm thinking, I've been around Kirby enough to know when he's trying to intimidate you. He wants the guy to turn the camera off. Without telling him to turn the camera off, he wants him to turn the camera off. But the guy doesn't turn the camera off. So we get 30 minutes of Kirby Smart, and he's fabulous. Kirby is a fabulous speaker. Now, he's not dramatic. He's not some drama major, some theater major. He, he, he's not, uh, you know, poetic or anything like that. Man, he's just raw. And, and I love how raw he is because it's genuine, right? It's it's just real. And it's off the cuff. And, and, and he's got a little bit of a attitude. And why wouldn't he? Because that's what you better have if you're a gunfighter. Right. And, and Kirby has that mentality to stay sharp. I, I loved it when he said when he hears his himself or his team identified as a two time national champion, he said, all I think about is who's gaining on me. I love the fact that this is a guy who, as he always says, is comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Don't get too comfortable. That's Kirby's right. Don't get too comfortable. All right. Somebody's coming for your job. Someone's coming to knock you off your perch. This is the way he operates. This is the way he really is. And, 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 I, and I love it because it's, it's authentic. It's genuine. Now, I don't know that I want to live with that. I don't know if I, if I were, I don't know if I could take more than four years of it. I don't think Kirby Smart would be a good NFL coach. I think he would drive everybody nuts. But I think that's part of the magic is that when you're around Kirby, you can't get comfortable. It's not going to happen. There's always more. There's always better. If it ain't broke, find a way to make it better, right? Never rest. And that, that was one of the things he talked about, which I thought was ingenious. You know, if you're Kirby, you got to keep coming up with new ways. You know how hard most of you do, how hard it is to hold the attention of an 18 to 23-year-old young man. Do you know how hard it is to get their attention, one, and then hold their attention, two? It's really hard. And I guess the reason why I relate to this is as I keep going back to my, my jump school at Fort Benning and my basic training at, at Fort Jackson. And, and listen, football is not war, okay? And the veterans know this, and they know that I'm not disrespecting them. The guys that serve understand what I'm talking about. They know I'm not trying to say that, that, that anything can compare to, to the men that sacrifice for our country and our flag. They know that. But when it comes to how Kirby operates, it's somewhat with that, like that drill sergeant. That drill sergeant always made you wonder if he was looking at you. That's Kirby on the microphone, right? He's always yelling out somebody's name, wanting them to double time somewhere. You better be walking. You better give me a better rep. 
the drill sergeants always kept you aware. Our, our thing was stay alert, stay alive. That was what our saying was in the 82nd Airborne. Stay alert, stay alive, right? Among other things, some that we can't repeat. Kirby does the same thing with these young guys. He stays on top of them. They stay on their toes. And after a while, they appreciate, understand that. And they appreciate that because they go out there in those football battles and they recognize that they're the better prepared team. They're the sharper team, right? And they know that that's the method to Kirby's madness. And when you build NFL players like Kirby has, and when you build championship teams like Kirby has, it's easy to buy in. And he's, he's over that hump now, okay? Players know that if you come to Georgia and you do your job, you can be the number one pick, even if you're not first-team All-CC, Trayvon Walker. You can win a national championship with a walk-on quarterback who may not be a first, second, third, or fourth-round talent, a guy that just does his job. You don't have to have Bryce Young or Joe Burrow to win a national championship. That's why I see all the hype about the Rayola. Hey, look, if Georgia gets a number one quarterback, if they get an Arch Manning or a Rolla, wonderful. If they don't, they're still going to win. Okay, that's the difference. That's what Kirby has built. Okay, the team is bigger than the individual. That's one of the four sayings. So, so one of Kirby's off-season ploys, motivational strategies, he knows he can't tell his kids that the media doesn't respect him anymore. He knows that he can't, that, that, that ship has sailed. He might have convinced a few of them that last year, but Kirby, you know that's not working this year because they're preseason number one. So he's studying this New Zealand team, the All Blacks. It's the winningest franchise ever. And he gave this great speech about four of the pillars and four of the mantras that George has taken from this All Blacks franchise that uh, they, they, they were like number one from 2009 to 2019, like 11 years. And one of them is no one's bigger than the team. And, and that's a big one. Uh, Kirby said that's one of the the big concepts they stick with, number one. Number two, it's an honor, not a job. I loved it when he told his kids, think back to your sophomore, junior year. You wanted to be at Georgia. This is where you, you're living your dream. This is an honor. It's not a job. It's an honor. And, and I think that, too, by the way. There's days where, you know, I have tough days. And, I'm, I'm you know, whether it's a, you know, a hard time coming up with an angle or multitasking on multiple stories or, you know, just trying to every, all of us have things in our job that we have to sort out. And I have to remind myself, man, you're covering a two time national championship football team, Mike. I've been a sports writer 30 years and I've never covered a program that's repeated as national champion I covered undefeated Auburn in 93. I covered national championship, Tennessee in 98. I covered a Rose Bowl of Michigan State that probably should have played for the title if Notre Dame officials hadn't taken a, a game from them in 2013. I covered some amazing Bruce Pearl teams, some good Rick Barnes teams. I saw some basketball at Alabama and Auburn that wasn't so great. I covered a Hall of Famer, Gene Stallings, and Dabo was on the staff. Got to know Dabo well, see what makes him tick. I've been allowed Tom Izzo at Michigan State. What a fantastic coach. I've been allowed a lot of great coaches. I do the Steve Spurrier Award. And I talk with Coach Spurrier. And so I think I've been around some of the best collegiate coaches in history. Let me tell you, Kirby Smart's right there. He's right there. And he's in his prime. We're not talking about used to be. We're not talking about going to be. We're talking about the preeminent collegiate football coach in the country. Now, he's not perfect. There's been off-the-field issues. Well, well documented. Mistakes made. Department oversights. Kirby will tell you he's not perfect. But he knows it. 
and he works on it. He doesn't pretend to be. He knows what he doesn't know. I like that. I like that about him. Sweep the sheds. That's another thing. They've changed it. Eat off the floors. Now it's hard for me to go with the eat off the floors imagery when they've got this Bones restaurant with steak and lobster, and they sit in these Lamborghini leather seats in their locker room. That's not exactly eating off the floor or sweeping the shed, but the mentality on the football field, the mentality when it comes to doing all the work, all the workouts, all the self-discipline, that part is real. So I, I like this. I liked that speech. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought the way that he talked about Stetson Bennett was interesting. You know, Stetson's getting a lot of attention again. Uh, a lot of NFL teams are calling him back in for, for more interviews, which is that's good news. He's got great agents. Remember, his agent also represents uh, uh, Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. So his agents are, are doing their job. Uh, but Stetson's an interesting guy. You know, I mean, he's, he won two national titles. Uh, he had some big moments. He had flashes and brilliance. There were games he didn't play well. Quite frankly, Stetson, the consistency is one of the concerns in the off the field, and the attitude is the other concern. But the fact that he's getting another look, uh, being brought in, is great. Because as I wrote today, if anybody knows how to use a second chance, it's Stetson Bennett. And I hope he realizes that the margin of error for him in the NFL will not be the same that it was at Georgia. Kirby had to put up with some of it, okay? The NFL, they don't. If you have two, three bad weeks in the NFL, they just cut you and they bring somebody in. In college, you can't really do that. You kind of got what you got, right? Georgia made their play to get Caleb Williams after they won the 2021 National Championship game. They couldn't get him. And, and when JT left, it was Stetson. Now, it might have been Stetson anyway. He, he, him and JT probably would have competed for it. But in the NFL, they can replace you like that. The Stetson, and I said this last week, the Stetson that I interviewed at Pro Day was the guy that I covered, you know, the first three years. I mean, I liked the focus. I liked the self-deprecation. Um, I just liked the down-to-earth version. The guy that was wearing a red shirt, them dogs were hell, and acting crazy at the ceremony, that wasn't Stetson, okay? That's a guy who probably thought he had to act a certain way. Or a guy that was, you know, relieved all the pressure was off his shoulder or a guy that had more fame than any kid from Blackshear, Georgia, ever had in his life. And the guy that's back, the guy that was back at Pro Day, that guy can make it in the NFL. I, I believe he can. I don't know that he's going to be a starter. A lot of it has to do with luck. He could be lucky. He could be unlucky. Um, I, I did a poll. I said, where, you know, what do you expect out of Stetson next year? Most people say uh, he'll make an NFL roster. About one out of eight say he'll start. About one out of four say he'll be practice squad, right? The rest of them, um, you know, say he'll be on a roster somewhere. It's probably right. Very, very few say he'll be out of the NFL. Very interesting. I'll take a look at uh, take a look at that a little bit later. But when Kirby summed up his career, Kirby didn't say they need to be building a statue of this guy, and he didn't say anybody could have done it. No, he didn't say that either. He said, "Quote." He had a really good defense behind him one year, and he played well enough to win a national championship. That is pretty much an accurate summation of 2021. The defense was the star. Let's be honest. It was what it was. They held Bryce Young out of the end zone uh, for three quarters until Stetson, the offense, could get it going in the title game. Um, didn't play particularly well against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Didn't play particularly well against Florida. Um, so that's what it was, right? had a really good defense behind him and he played good enough in 2021 2022 
helped us win one this past year, did a tremendous job. I agree. I thought the Stetson that we saw this year, year three in Munkin, uh, was better. I thought he had better footwork. I thought he had better timing. I liked the velocity on his passes. Uh, the fade wasn't there like the year before. A lot of it was playing. Last year, a lot shorter, more high percentage passes. I thought he operated the offense better. I thought he did more and better at the line of scrimmage. I, when he ran the ball, he made very good decisions there. Just grew a lot. And so that's why, even though Stetson's 25, I, I'm not one of the guys that's going to pick on that, okay? Because I think there's still room for him to get better. I like the resiliency. I just think he's got to watch the attitude a little bit. Um, it, the, the disposition as a backup has to be a little bit sharper. He really wasn't a good backup at Georgia. He, no, don't get me wrong. He was a good starter once he got in. But when he was a backup, he didn't do well. If you think about 2021, uh, he came in for JT against South Carolina through an interception on his first series. He came in from JT against Vanderbilt through an interception on the first series. Didn't score in the second quarter. As a backup, he did not come in and bring instant offense in those games. And an NFL backup, he's going to have to be more laser-focused and ready to go in those situations. Once he became a starter, it was a different story. But in the NFL, you don't have that luxury, all right? And that's what I mean when I say the margin for error is shorter. So I think it's there. I think the potential is there. I think the attitude, the consistency, the focus, you know, and I think all it takes is one team. All it takes is one team to like Stet, and, and I think he's going to get that chance. I love the way he played against Oregon, South Carolina, LSU, Tennessee, TCU. Shoot those game films out. I thought Stetson was, was really, really good, impressive, NFL quality good. There were other games I didn't think he belonged on a roster for, okay? And you guys know what those games were. So what's going to happen with Stetson is fascinating. The story is amazing to this point. Kirby applauds that story. Uh, perseverance. Some of it was luck, right? You know, Kirby thought, well, he went away to junior college for a year. Well, is Kirby advocating that everybody does that? I don't think so. Don't think he would like that if guys that didn't play went to junior college for a year. Okay, that's not a path that works out very often. The reason it worked is because Justin Fields split and Georgia couldn't sign another quarterback behind Jake. And so Stetson got that call at the 11th hour in 2019. Thought he was going to Louisiana Lafayette to play for Billy Napier. Got the call from Georgia and signed late it's just to be a backup to Jake. And then Jake leaves. Jake splits. Bad decision, Jake. Um, but Jake was frustrated. 2019 team let him down. A lot of injuries at the receiver position, lack of depth, made it look like he regressed when he didn't. Jake Fromm was a very good quarterback. Um, but like any quarterback, only as good as a supporting cast. And this is where the luck comes in for Stetson. He's got to go to the right team. If he doesn't go to the right team, it's going to be tough. Look, Steve Spurrier was the number three overall pick in the NFL draft and a Heisman Trophy went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't care who it was. Uh, Joe Montana, uh, you know, name your favorite quarterback. You stick him with that Buccaneers team, you know, Spurrier was doomed. Um, it, it, it's happened, right? Steve Young was a nobody with the Buccaneers, gets traded to the 49ers and becomes a Hall of Famer. So a lot's going to be where does Stetson go and what opportunities get. A lot about Stetson. Uh, moving on now to what Kirby said about these quarterbacks. And I was impressed because the audience knew better than to ask Kirby about quarterbacks. He made it pretty clear. You know, there really isn't much to say at this point. He's not in a rush to pick a starting quarterback. First thing you understand, he's in no rush to pick a starting quarterback, okay? 
in his mind, all player, all three of these guys, Gunner, Brock, Carson, they're still learning the offense. They're still evolving. The competition, yeah, there's a daily competition, right? You want to get up, you want to be on time, you want to look good, you want to go 100. But right now, everybody's just kind of learning this new offense. And the offense is in, in return, Mike Bobo is learning his skilled players, and the offense is evolving, right? It's kind of like it's like you're baking a cake, right? And you're not really sure, you know, what cake you want to bake. You know, you, you're kind of figuring out well, what ingredients do I have to work with? You got to kind of know what your ingredients are before you can figure out what kind of cake you're going to bake. And then as you go along, you kind of tinker and do a little dab of this and that. And then, and then in the end, you got to figure out well, what frosting goes best with this cake. Well, is it, is it Brock Vandergriff frosting? Is it Carson Beck frosting? Or is it Gunner Frost? Gunner Stein? We don't know because we don't know what the cake is yet. We're still figuring out the ingredients and what it's going to be. That may be one of the worst analogies, by the way, that I have ever given on a sports program. But you get the point. What he said that was shocking was they got to see how they play in the games. Wait a minute. You got to see how they're going to play in the games. So, yeah, you're going to watch G-Day. That'll be interesting. Yeah, they're going to have probably two more, if not three, scrimmages in the fall. That'll be pretty. But Kirby wants to see how they're going to play. So, UT Martin, Ball State. What this tells me is I expect multiple quarterbacks to play in those first two games. Unless, unless someone just falls out of the competition – or injury or something unexpected, I expect we're going to see multiple quarterbacks early on. I think Kirby's going to give all these guys a fair run because he's right. You really don't know what a guy's going to do under the lights, and, and some are better than others. So stay tuned. It's going to be fantastic. It's already, like I said, covering Georgia football right now. Uh, this offseason, it, it's, it's had some tough moments. That again, we know about the tragedy off the field. But the way these players are handling this tragedy and the way the program is evolving in the aftermath of it, in the wake of it, the way Kirby is managing this, it's it's just it's it's impressive. And again, you wish they didn't have to. You wish that these unfortunate circumstances, you hate lives were lost and mistakes were made. None of that's good, okay? But it's what happens after, you know, the whole thing about what happens after you get knocked down, crisis management, what do you do next? Kirby's a master at this. He's an absolute master. And, and, and some of this is him directly, and some of this is his players. Some of this is fostered by the sort of program that he's created, by creating the skull sessions, by creating this, this vibe, this connectedness. It's what let it's what's allowed and enabled these extremely capable young men to get recruited here. The best of the best. They're the best of the best for a reason. It's more than athletic. These kids are are mentally tough. These kids are most all of them ethically sound. They come from uh, 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 you know they have good pillars uh, within them. And Kirby's players are taking the direction of their coach. And really evolving in, in this tragedy, I don't want to say using this tragedy because that's not what it is. It's, it's, it's somehow incorporating the difficulties that they've had into a formula that motivates them to hold themselves to a higher standard, right? Like this, 
happened. It was horrible. It was tragic. It was sad. And now I have a responsibility to live up to this particular standard because that happened, because that individual, Devin Willick, was a wonderful guy that did everything right. And so now me, the Georgia football player, owes it to that memory, to that person, to live up to that standard, that do it for Dev, right? It's just one more thing that Georgia is doing this offseason. It's one more thing that's motivating and driving players on the team as these young people have to cope with a loss. Most people that age, not all, but most, haven't lost someone that close to them. And it's sobering. And how do they deal with it? How do they deal with it the right way? And this is where the Georgia framework uh, comes into play. This is where Kirby's leadership, this is where Josh Brooks and, uh, you know, the investment that Georgia has made, um, you know, into the mental health of their student athletes. This is something Josh Brooks talked about two or three years ago. Um, this is where that all comes into play. It's not if, it's when, right? We all know tragedy is going to strike. We all know that all of us at some point will deal with death in our families, to our friends, loved ones, coworkers. We know it's coming. We don't know when. We don't know how to prepare. But when it happens, how do you cope? What do you do? And, and this has been one of the sidebars of the offseason is how does Georgia football and the players navigate this offseason um, tragedy? In addition to a new offensive coordinator, in addition to a, a two-time defending champion that can't get complacent, um, in addition to taking on the, the New Zealand All Blacks mentality, uh, in addition to an unsettled quarterback situation with, with three very capable and deserving players, how do they manage all that? And that's what we stay tuned for. And it's why we hold on all of Kirby's words, because unlike some coaches that just throw stuff against the wall, and speak in cliches and talk just to talk, Kirby can't do it. He's not going to do it. He's going to be deliberate, and he's going to cut to the chase, and he's going to say things, and the reason you're going to listen is because you know that everything he says is with a purpose. He just doesn't waste his words or his time or his efforts. And uh, and I and I won't either tonight. I'm going to cut the program there. I hope you've enjoyed it. I enjoy talking to you guys every Monday night. Uh, you guys know Brandon Adams comes at you every day at 10 a.m. Dog Nation Daily. Wednesday night, uh, Centel's Intel uh, before the hedges. Jeff with some great guests. Uh, you saw I had Nolan Smith on recently in addition to some of these talented recruits that are coming. And then Sunday night, it's Connor and coverage. You know, Connor, uh, you know, knocking out a lot of that daily beat stuff. Uh, appreciate the hard work that Connor does. And, of course, you know, Jack Leo, our, our young and talented uh, writer that covers a lot of baseball and basketball. So the Dog Nation team uh, doing well, strong. Appreciate my producer, Michael Carvel. If you've got questions or comments, please do drop them in at the bottom. I like to go back and read the comments. Sometimes it's punishing. Uh, I'll say I'll misspeak and not realize I said something or someone will tell me they, they don't like my hat or they really disagree with me. And that's all OK, too. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Griffith 32. Try to stay pretty active there at Mike Griffith 32. Everybody have a wonderful week.